Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. I'm Noah here with my co-host Charlie. Together we make up the conglomerate that is Faking Injuries, Cayman Incorporated. On this podcast, we do our best to be the American ambassadors to European football that frankly no one asked for, covering the big five leagues, how to bet like us shitty gamblers, as well as covering the various characters that make this sport more closely resemble low-level reality TV. It probably goes without saying that we're two men in our 20s, feeling left out by the current podcast boon of people in our demographic. We work in finance at the bottom of the corporate ladder, so it follows that we should do a podcast about a sport neither of us played past 7th grade. We hope you'll come along, enjoy this show, and stay tuned to see if we can walk the line between satirical banter and losing our jobs. Charlie, it's only fair. I've had my early shine. I'll pass it to you for this week's Weekend Synopsis. Take it away, big fella. Yeah, it was a bad weekend for both of our teams, although you've started to disown Liverpool. My team, Chelsea, lost 4-1 to Brighton, which was a tough day for Graham Potter and an even tougher day for Kepa Rizabalaga, who becomes the first goalkeeper ever to get subbed off at halftime. Liverpool and Leeds delivered one of the most entertaining games of the season that ended with Leeds winning 2-1, stealing three points, and Ted Lasso saving his job. Everton continued to embody Brexit with another point from another goalless draw, Force got killed 5-0 by Arsenal. 5 also happens to be the amount of charges Force owner Evangelos Maranakis has avoided through bribery. Barcelona got knocked out of the Champions League, as we predicted. With more debt than a tech startup, you can expect them to run to some financial trouble pretty soon. If you can't tell by now, La Liga is the bottom of the top 5 leagues, and close to dropping out of the top 5 entirely, to be honest. So say thank you to your Spanish daddies, Real Madrid, for keeping you in the conversation. Juventus continued their descent into mediocrity after falling out of the Champions League and sitting in 8th in Serie A. On the other hand, Kavara continues his Ballon d'Or-worthy campaign with a goal and two assists in Serie A this weekend, begging the question, are they the best team in Europe not named Manchester City? They're certainly the most entertaining. And finally, Bayern scores 6 as they reclaim the top spot in the Bundesliga. I'm still feeling very hopeful about our Champions League future bet. That was our weekend synopsis. Thank you, Charlie. Pretty good for the first one. I will expect improvement, but that's nothing you wouldn't expect from yourself. For the listener, what do we have in store today? Don't call it lazy. We did watch the games, but we don't want to bore you with any more recaps, though they are entertaining. We don't want to call any more attention to the balding heads of the Premier League, which we have a habit of doing. Instead, we're going to put the scouting hats back on. Do the scouting we want to see out of our football directors when we buy a shitty third division Swedish club. So we're breaking out the foot mob shortlist, each talking about three players we've been watching and who might be in store for a move in the coming 12 months. So let's get into it. Thank you, Charlie, for that wonderful opening monologue. Let's get into the rest of today's show, which is primarily going to be looking at a few players, three from each of us that are on our Growing list of players we're tracking on FootMob. All these are going to be younger players that we're bullish on in the future. We think are worthy of transfers to a higher level. And any other commentary we have about them, that's what you're going to get. So I say we go one by one, back and forth. I'll let you start off for us. Who's first on your list? Yeah, I'd say first and foremost, if you don't have FootMob, 
the best app out there to track games, players. You can follow a player, select what you want to know, if he scores, what his match rating is. So highly recommend you jump on it if you don't have it already. Agreed. By far the most comprehensive app out there for all things football. And just a clean, sophisticated interface. It's no surprise when you look at the About Us page. It says, we're a small but mighty team, a nimble group in the fjords of Bergen, Norway. So it just has some of that Scandinavian class that is unsurprisingly relevant when you tune into this app 50 to 100 times a day, as we usually do. So why don't you start us off with no further ado, who's first on that list? My first player is Milos Kerkez, who is an 18-year-old left back for AZ Alkmaar in Netherlands. This guy is playing more than most 18-year-olds in Europe could ever hope to play. He started every single game for them in the Conference League, every single game for them in the league. They signed him from AC Milan's academy about a year ago for $2 million, and it looks like it's money well spent because there's already rumors that this guy could be getting a big move. Whenever I see a young Hungarian starting every game in a solid league, piques my interest and you know makes me think of Sabosli a little bit. He already has two caps for the Hungarian national team, and I would imagine he's going to be their talismanic left back going forward. <laughs> you don't always see those, but with these smaller European teams, they take class wherever they can get them, right? North Macedonia, probably another team that has a talismanic left back in Alioski. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this guy just pops in the stats too. He's got two goals and 11 starts for AZ, who currently sit fourth, which I think is pretty typical for them around that range and he's especially impressed in the conference league where he has a goal and three assists in five games he just scored in one man of the match in their last game against Vaduz sure which probably not the strongest opposition a team from Liechtenstein but he's still tearing it up at 18 against grown men you know that says something I don't know that's a household name (laughs) in the circles I roll with Vaduz we might have to be acquiring them too but I'm not sure our bids could ever quite be enough for such a profitable, desirable market like Liechtenstein. I mean, if they can break into the conference league, I want a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to get some uh, vaduzi deuce in the portfolio. But in general, when a player is under 20 and getting this much game time and national recognition on top of that, it's a pretty good sign. And left back, a relatively weak position in Europe, I would think it's fair to say. I would love to see a mid-table Bundesliga or Serie A side take him under their wing, and just develop him into the star I know he's destined to become. Lazio are already interested, but I'd love to see him go to like a Dortmund or a Leipzig or a Leverkusen. I just think he's got the pace and the technical ability to thrive in the Bundesliga. With that being said, this guy's going to the top. So my super punchy prediction is that he's going to play for a top five side in the world. In three to five years, this might be the Andy Robertson replacement. Ooh, I'm I- willing to stake my claim on it. I do think if Sumikas at Liverpool ever gets wandering eyes and thinks he deserves to be playing for a European caliber team, three years from now, he could be the backup to Robertson and the long-term heir. So I can wholly endorse this. I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of, I'm not going to call them AZ Alkmaar because everyone in Europe calls them AZ Alkmaar. Oh, you're British now. Yes. (laughs) I haven't watched a ton of them, but with a name like Milos Kirkez, and a face that looks like a young, hungry man destined to be a Navy SEAL. You don't have a left foot be named Milos and not have some type of attacking flair and a little bit of that Lissandro Martinez dog inside of you. <laughs> I think that's enough of my first player, Milos Kirkez of AZ. 
check him out if you haven't already, and definitely watch him in the Conference League because it looks like he's going to continue to tear it up. Noah, I want to know, what's your first foot mob player that you've added to your shortlist? Sure. So we're about a year into this now, checking FB ref and foot mob like it's Amazon Prime Day sale. As you get more and more into it and start to see some of the scouting patterns, right? Salzburg, always selling players across Europe, really developing the brand too and being able to charge higher fees. It's interesting to look more into that pipeline, which primarily involves snapping up youngsters from European academies, as well as developing a really good pipeline from Western Africa. And so for the cohort of African players that have come through, they often need to get them assimilated, right? Living in a new continent, getting used to more technical football. Salzburg will loan them to their B team, essentially, FC Liefering, who competes in the second division, keep them close to home, get some of the first team coaching, I'm sure, but let them season for a year. And then once you've had a year at 18 years old, if you pass the test, come on up to Salzburg. So the most recent player who's followed these steps and looks destined to get into the Salzburg team next year is a player they signed this summer from the Ivory Coast. Kareem Konate. Great name. First thing first. <laughs> Great, Great name. Kareem Adeyemi, a player that came from Salzburg, moved to Dortmund for big money. And then anytime you see Konate in a last name, that has star potential written all over it. He was signed for about three and a half million euros, already has five appearances for the Ivorian national team. Just looking at the output so far, he's averaging about a goal plus assist per game which are similar numbers to players who have succeeded hugely at Salzburg, like Benjamin Sesko, who's still there, Kareem Adeyemi, Mergen Barisha of years past, etc. So he looks destined to be next one up when they inevitably sell Chesko for over 30 million euros this year. Most recently in the UEFA Youth League, he absolutely bastardized the Cobham Academy U19 team, scoring a hat trick and a little over half. He made your team look pretty poor, and if I know Todd Bully as well as we both do, he will have been watching this game more than the senior Champions League game that Chelsea went on to win 2-1. With the Project 2030 that he has for Chelsea and wanting to be the most elite team in the next decade, I'd be impressed if he just said, fuck it, I don't need to see this guy go up to Salzburg where everyone else can watch him. Why don't you just bid 10 million euros this summer? bring him into Chelsea and get a player who will probably go for 30 plus million euros in 18 months time. Clearly looks like he's next and you kind of trust Salzburg at this point just to scout elite talent and develop them. So Kareem Kanate, he's my player. Would you take him if Todd would splash the cash? Yeah, I think it seems like a good idea. Any player that's putting up a hat trick against Chelsea's youth teams, which are typically some of the better youth teams in Europe, is impressive and definitely deserves to be on the short list for Todd. I think he could fit in well. Maybe we'll call him KK47, you know, uh, <laughs> just brainstorming here for Todd's marketing machine. But um, I would take him. And, you know, we've always said this. If we had a club, this is the type of strategy we'd go for. Poach the Leafering guys or poach the Academy guys before the other clubs are looking. Yeah, play with a smaller unit. Salzburg probably would demand at least... 10 million given that for a player that immediately slotted in the second team they already paid just under four we got to entice him a little bit but better than paying 40 a couple years from now i'll throw it back to you 
Who's second on your list? My next player you're going to absolutely love. It's Josh Doig, the 20-year-old left mid, left wing back, playing for Hellas Verona right now. Let me give you three reasons why we should sign this guy. He's Scottish, he's 6'2", and he's a wing back. <laughs> okay. So essentially, I'm in love. He looks so Scottish, it's ridiculous. He looks like Billy Gilmore with blonde hair and this, the same exact face, identical. If I were a sporting director, this is the type of Scott I would take a chance on, personally. He hasn't played a ton yet. Only had four starts in the league for Hellas Verona. But he had two goals and an assist in those four starts. And that's pretty impressive for a team that's currently sitting in, I think, 19th in the relegation zone. More of a rotational option for now, but I imagine if Hellas get relegated this year, he's going to get a move to either another Syria club or somewhere else in Europe. He came from Hibernian in the Scottish League. Hibs. Hibs. Sorry, sorry. Hibs. Played two full seasons there as a teenager. Really impressed. Already called up for the Scotland national team. Uh, but hasn't played a game yet. I think he needs some time to season and marinate, like a good steak. Shepherd's pie, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I like to see him follow an Aaron Hickey-type career path, right? You go to Serie A, develop for a few years, instead of going to a championship club where you might not get as much game time. And then in two to three seasons, you join a mid-table Premier League club. I think Hickey actually gave him the advice to choose Serie A over the other British clubs that Is were that inside him. reporting? That's what I saw in an article. I don't know if I can believe it or not. All right. No, primary source, faking injuries. Sorry, primary source. That was, uh, yeah, from my source, uh, my, my Scottish source. In the Scottish <laughs> camp, yeah. We don't really have a great connection to the whole national team, but we know the assistant wingback coach, who probably is the most important coach for By the far. Scottish national team. By far. I just would love to see him develop either at Hellas or another team in Syria a couple of seasons and then join, like, I don't know, a Brentford take over Hickey's spot, challenge him for it, join a Brighton. I think he'd fit in well. I didn't know Scottish people got that tall. Neither did I. I thought 5'10 was the limit. So that's my player number two, Josh Doig. Not as hot on him as my boy Milos, but <laughs> I think he could be a very viable option for a mid to lower table Premier League side in the future. And we're always just trying to get these players to Premier League because it's the creme de la creme. It's the pinnacle. Let me throw it back to you. Who you highlighted as your second player? All right, number two, Javi Simons. For those who are well versed in the football scouting circle, this is a bit of a cop out, but it's still worth highlighting considering after leaving PSG, no one could have expected this level of production. Heralded in the academy at Barcelona, La Masaya, as Todd Bowley would call it. <laughs> Moved to PSG, but never really got the look in that he expected. Critics said maybe he's more focused on his hair and the social media fame that that hair has generated. This isn't video yet, but you are drooling at the prospect of having such luscious locks. In just a few months with the young, exciting front line at PSV under Rude Van Nistelrooy that features Cody Gakpo, Nani Modweke, midfielders like Joey Veerman, Singare, this team has been really exciting to watch, and the attacking production has been some of the best in the league, even better than Ajax. How much of his very strong season do you think you can attribute to Cody Gakpo just playing on a completely different planet at the moment? You could say a lot of it is due to that, because Cody Gakpo is averaging like a goal and a half plus assists per 90. So a lot of those assists are coming Simon's way, but even in Europa League going against Arsenal, 
he is a player that really belongs testing the Arsenal back line. Don't think he got a goal, but he looks like the real deal. One gripe I do have, I don't know if he hates his agent or wants to spend as little time in the Netherlands as possible. That wouldn't surprise me. But his celebration, which he's gotten to use a lot due to his stellar play, is dialing the phone. Get the agent on. Uh Uh-huh. Getting the agent on or saying, I don't even need the agent. Just come direct to me. It's eerily similar to the FIFA celebration that we see. We'll often do Eastern European saves, start with smaller clubs, build them up into empires. But when we inevitably develop stars, they have this tough habit of doing a celebration where they sip tea, implying that they want to go to England to sip tea in the Premier League. So I would be worried if I was the decision makers in the front office at PSV that Simons isn't here for a long time, but he's here for a good fucking time. And as soon as Gakpo's gone, he doesn't want to be left just Robin without a Batman. Yeah, and they got him for free, right? So they're about to make a handsome profit whenever they do sell him. Yeah, they took a risk betting that he was more than just four or five million Instagram followers, but it's proven to really be turning out. 10 goals, four assists, and 19 appearances so far this year. A side bet I'll throw out there. Ruud van Nistelrooy, if they really finish this season strong, continue to mount a challenge in Eredivisie, he could be on the move here in the next two, three years. We will see him in the Premier League inside five. With a name like that, if you can get any semblance of coaching pedigree people think you know what tactics are if eric ten Hag goes missing don't be surprised if rude comes in to replace him yeah i can see it psv have been i think the best team in the year to visit this year just so impressive in all competitions and it says a lot about chavi that against arsenal who are currently one of the better teams in europe if we're being honest he looks so impressive in their two no win you know he was at the center of a lot of it as well as gakpo of course but I like this. It's a bit of a cop-out because he is a known, but I appreciate you calling out just how good his season has been so far. Thank you. Thank you. Let's keep it moving. Your third and final player, who is it that deserves his flowers and maybe a potential transfer? Yeah, I'm really excited about this guy, Dango Uratara. Have you heard of him? I have not. So he is the 20-year-old winger slash striker slash center attacking mid a little unsure exactly what his position is right now, but he's playing for Lorient in Liga, who are currently sitting third after an overperformance, but nonetheless a very impressive start to their season. And while other players in the squad have gotten a little more shine, I think he's been the most impressive considering he's 20 years old. So he's a Burkina Faso international. He came from a team there called Majestic, straight to Lorient's side. And he's got five goals and four assists in 12 games so far this year. So he's straight in from Burkina Faso to Lorient's first team? He did a a little stint on their B team um, at 19. And then, yeah, I think he had some sub appearances last year. And this year, he's just been a starter, essentially. Good for him. Yeah, he's already in the national team setup, scoring goals for Burkina Faso as well. But he's just a 5'10 speedster, you know, an absolute nightmare for defenders. He averages three shots a game, which is great for any forward. And he's also consistently creating chances for his teammates, right? I think you could probably describe him as like an inside forward. You know, he likes to cut in and get his shots off. But I don't know if winger is his perfect position or if he might honestly just end up as a striker and a two. But 
He also has just great defensive output for a forward. He's got this engine on him, and he's typically the fastest player on the pitch, which are ideal attributes when you're looking to press from attack. I'd love to see this guy join a Leeds, maybe. That's what I was really thinking. And just really start that press up front. Get Patrick Bamford out of there. He's looked horrible since coming back from injury. But this guy, Dango, he's just a strong dribbler. He can beat a few guys. He's definitely still raw, needs some time to work on his game. And I think he's at the right spot currently. But I think in a couple of years, we could really see a big move. And he's going to deserve it. So that's my third and final player I've added to my short list. Noah, take us home. Yeah, apologies if this is a short one. Because it is a recommendation partly based on science and quantitative factors, but probably more emotion. While perusing the standings of League One, England's third division, I came across the man who I'm about 50% sure will be the world's best defender in seven years. So without further ado, that man is Nigel Lonvike, I think is the correct pronunciation. He's a 20-year-old central defender playing serious minutes for league leaders Plymouth Argyle on loan from Wolves. He's going to be the best, frankly, because is he not an exact doppelganger of young Virgil van Dyke? He's Dutch. He's 6'5", playing in a back three, looks commanding, got the hair like Virgil, and I think he's on track. You know, Wolves, they probably don't see him as important in their future because he isn't Portuguese. And they've got a history of selling players who go on to become stars. Looking at you, Vitinha. So I think this is going to be that equivalent for a defensive player. If I was a team in Liga, in France, or Germany, if he's not going to be nailed on next year as a member of the Wolves squad, take a chance. Get a 21-year-old potential Virgil van Dyke. Slot him into the back line. A lot of potential there. And also from a branding perspective... His name is similar to Virgil van Dyke. Very. Virgil van Dyke, Nigel Lonvike. So just chop and change any chance that Liverpool has for Virgil, and you've got the branding all squared away. No stats, just emotion. Nigel Lonvike. Yeah, I had never heard of this guy before talking to you about this earlier, before recording the episode, and we pulled the side-by-side of Virgil as a young man at Celtic versus Nigel, and they could be long-lost brothers. I mean, they are almost identical. He is a regen in the truest sense of the phrase, and so much of life is just trusting your intuition and the pattern recognition. If I was a sporting director, he's immediately at the top of my list when it comes to young central defenders, and he's probably not going to cost that much either. Yep, have never heard of him before today, and I'm fully sold he's going to be the best defender in the world in the future. I think it's good to end on probably the player we're most assured of being world-class in Nigel Lonvike, but overall, great crop of six players that we're watching. As long as one of them gets a semblance of a decent move inside the next five years, we've been validated. But that's it for today's show. A bit shorter, but action-packed full of the detailed scouting analysis that you've come to be familiar with at Faking Injuries. Any parting remarks, Charlie? Thanks for listening as always. Check us out at Faking Injuries on Twitter, and please give us a review on Spotify if you haven't already. Love you guys. Bye.